Hello, I'm Sharon Hollis. I'm the President of the Uniting Church in Australia Assembly. Welcome to my podcast, Dwelling. I'm really hoping that with this podcast, I can bring to you some of the rich, deep conversations I get to have as President of the Uniting Church. I'm delighted for the first season of our podcast that we'll be focusing on the work of Act 2, the biggest conversation the Uniting Church is having at the moment. And for this, my first ever podcast, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by the um, General Secretary of the Assembly, Colleen Geyer. Colleen, welcome to my podcast. Hi, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Uh, Listeners, we're recording this podcast on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Aura Nation and we pay our respects to their elders past and present and their descendants. Colleen, um, I thought I'd start by just asking you a little bit about your journey in the Uniting Church. So do you want to maybe tell me uh, how you began in the Uniting Church and what some of the highlights of life in the Uniting Church have been? Thanks, Sharon. I'm just wondering if I might just take it back quite a way and just let you know that when I was about eight, Uh, My family used to go to the Wesley Methodist Church in the centre of Hobart. And I remember specifically being part of a couple of nighttime meetings at the church. And then uh, in supper, at supper, afterwards in the hall, hearing people talking about things and they were talking about union. And they were having the discussions about what that would mean and, you know, everything that went with it. So that's kind of my earliest memory of it. And um, and then I remember, you know, when it began and being at um, the first uh, opening service for the United Church in my local community, which, because of the size, had to be held in a Baptist church, <laughs> which was which was lovely when you think about yeah. our ecumenical connections as well. Um, but um, throughout my working life, a lot of it has been spent working in the Uniting Church. And some of the experiences I've had to work in different parts of the church have just been an absolute privilege and a gift to me. Uh, It's also allowed me to see a lot of the different things that happen in the Uniting Church, from working with the Assembly in the Gender Unit, Gospel and Gender, many years ago, to uh, working with Kulamon College, which was the... um, the distance theological college that the uh, that the Uniting Church had, to working in Synod in Queensland, to our community services, which for me was um, not just a way for me to see what the amazing community services work at the Uniting Church uh, does, but also to see the importance uh, of our church being in action in communities. Uh, So from the advocacy that Uniting Care Australia does in Canberra, where I worked, to the -the on-the-ground services that were provided by Uniting Care Queensland, Um, such an important part of the work of our church. I have to say the other parts of um, my life in the Uniting Church, which I've loved, is just being part of my local congregation Mm. Um, and being in that community every week for worship, sharing Holy Communion together, having the cup of tea after, you know, and um, at one stage I was even on church council. So, 
Have you been on the flower roster? Uh, no, I no. haven't. Oh, well, no. There's, there's an ambition for you That's to right. go forward That's in your right. life in the United States. I have been Church. on the cleaning roster. The cleaning though. roster, yes. very important. <laughs> Colleen, when you think back to those really early days when you were eight and nine and listening mm-hmm. to those conversations, can you remember any of the uh, kind of emotions or energy that was in the room, um, particularly perhaps from the adults who were making the decision? Yes, I, I specifically remember looking up to the to the taller people because obviously yep. I was a lot shorter than I am now, but there was it was very much um, a sense of seriousness. Mm. You know, there was a a gravitas, if you like. I look back and I just knew something important was happening, um, even though I didn't, you know, I couldn't name it then or um, even understand all that was happening. I knew something was happening and I knew it was important. Uh, and the conversations that were happening around me. Uh, I remember being very earnest and uh, obviously that's because they were discussing something very important. Mm. Uh, and when you think about when the United, where the Uniting Church has come to uh, from those initial conversations and for the many that happened before that, obviously, too, mm. um, I think it's very exciting. Yeah. Mm. I think it, it, that's the impression I get from talking to people who were there that it was both exciting in a kind of serious, mm. exciting way. Mm. They were doing really important, hopeful work. Yeah. And as you talked about the kind of gravity of the conversations, um, I thought that was a good way to begin to talk about the conversation we're having at the moment in the Uniting Church, which um, is an important and serious conversation and, um, you know, has the same kind of... Uh, we want to generate some of the same energy and conversation that Union generated, not in the same direction, but involving the whole church in that conversation. So could you say a little bit about Act 2? And um, we're saying it's the biggest conversation we're having at the moment. Why are we having it? Why have we got the Act 2 project, Colleen? Well, the, the Assembly Standing Committee started uh, in 2020 to have conversations about what uh, the work of the Assembly and what members were seeing uh, not just in the work of the assembly, but across the church. And that was that the church was facing many challenges, is facing many challenges, um, but not just challenges. Also, the church um, was coming into a new time. You know, when you think back to the beginning of 2020 when we started the conversations, that was on the edge of COVID. Mm. Uh, and now we've been through two years where Things have had, the way we think about life has had to change. Um, but I think even before then, when we started the conversation, it really was, uh, we, we have to look into the future. The future is bringing us opportunities as well as challenges. And if we don't uh, take that seriously as the Uniting Church and say, what does God want us to be now? What is, where is God leading us into the future? What do we have to pay attention to? Um, what could inspire us? Uh, then all of that was wrapped up in the conversation we were having. And so the standing committee really believed that the time was right to have that conversation, not just at the assembly, but across the whole church. So I guess that was the impetus for it, to, to say we have to take this seriously um, and we, we do have to have a big conversation about it. I mean, I really like the way you um, connected it back to that conversation back at Wesley mm. in Hobart because, you know, when you think back to um, to when the United Church began, we did have to think differently about things, right? Yes. And it was quite an innovative kind of time. Uh, so I think now 
as I look to the future with the United Church, we have to say we're not the same church as we were at Union. Things have changed. Um, things have changed for our local communities of faith, for the work we do in communities, etc. And so um, when you put that alongside some of the challenges we're facing, it's a, it's a great time to be thinking what could be and to be really open to where God is leading us to be as well. I think that's actually one of the hardest things, isn't it? Just to 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 be to acknowledge the challenges, mm. but to stay open to where they addressing them might lead us. Yes, to to yeah. just stay open. You've talked a bit, Colleen, about the challenges that are facing the United Church. Are you able to just say what one or two of those challenges might be that we really can't ignore? Mm. I think one of them that we're we're facing is um, as a whole church. Uh, We've, we've grown to be quite, um, I'm just trying to think what the word is, but I guess I would say a bit over-governed. Yes. So that sense that when the Uniting Church began, we put in place a structure that was right for the time. Uh, it took into, into account a certain number of people, uh, the way that um, local congregations ran, what was included in them, the place of the church in society, how it connected with uh, with people and families, etc. Uh, th- things have changed now. Mm. We're not like that. Uh, for one thing, currently we don't have as many people that belong to Uniting Church in that worshiping community space. You know, we've branched out into other places. You know, our schools and our amazing mm. agencies, that kind of thing. And when we look at the structure that was put in place at the time. Uh, we, I believe we need to seriously think about whether that's right for us now and into the future. Mm. Um, I would have to say to Sharon, though, that um, a conversation about structure has to also include how we see ourselves. Yes. And um, I've always thought the United Church has a pretty special vision, and that is to be part of the communities of Australia to um, be the church that we're called to be, to be about God's mission and to walk in Christ's ways. And um, that's clear in the basis of union. Yes. We're called to be that. So for me, that kind of overarching vision remains. But how we do that while we still uh, commit to be God's people in this country and to do the work that we're called to do, um, means we at times have to ask the big questions about have we got the other bits that enable us to do that right? And I think that's one of the big challenges we're facing. I think, Colleen, um, I really like the way you said we already have a vision and it's, mm. it comes out of the base of union and it's been enacted in our life. And in some of the early consultation that's been done, Crack 2, um, there was a lot of, there was some really good reflection on some of our strengths that we have as a uniting church, things like the equality of women and men, our commitment to justice, the covenant. Even the basis of union itself was seen as a real strength. Definitely. And it seems to me those strengths perhaps are, um, they're really pe- people actually in different language reflecting on that vision you've talked about. Mm. Um, do you want to just, could you just say a little bit more about how you think that vision will guide the work of Act 2? I think, yes, thank you. I think that's, 
um, that's absolutely vital mm. um, because if we if we're not clear about uh, the identity of the United Church about being you know God's church about being um, open to the transforming ways uh, you know that living gospel ways and living in, in the way of Christ um, show us if we're not open to that then we lose out on mm. that vision but if we are clear about it then we can say we can look at all the things that we do and we can say where are we seeing this or where should we be putting our energy yeah. and um, one of the things we've been one of kind of phrases I guess we've been using in act two is um, what does it mean to have life-giving communities of faith yes and of faith and hope if you like and you know if I think about that wherever they they come whether they're in a congregation whether they're um, in an aged care facility, in a school chapel, uh, you know, wherever the Uniting Church is being part of God's work. Um, if we say that's key, then it won't be about what are the structures we have now and to maintain them. It'll be what are the structures we, meet, we need to resource and make sure they live and grow. Yes. And... Um, it's a, it's a very different way to see things. You know, I think sometimes, um, you know, not everyone will agree with me about this. We, you know, we've got, we look at the basis of union and the paragraphs on government and we think that's how it always has to be. Yes. Um, but I think the basis of union shows us that the vision for the Uniting Church is to be part of community, is to be part of a life-giving communities of faith, is to, you know... Um, as part of that, uh, speak out for people mm. and for injustice. To we know since um, since uh, for a very long time now how important the covenant mm. is for us with First Peoples and and Congress. And so when we kind of look at all of those things and say, what do we need? What do we need to be that for who we are now? And what is the context in which we're living? If we don't have that as our for, as our driving mm. force, then I think we face the very real possibility that we'll have a lot of structure and not a lot of transformation. Yes. So really, what I hear you saying, Colleen, is that um, even though Act Two is was in one sense triggered by some really difficult and, and um, hard things that the Assembly Standing Committee had to face. Underneath it and around it and really guiding it is, is a deep commitment to the vision of being um, the uniting church expression of, 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 of who God's calling us to be in this land we now call Australia mm -hmm. and that that's going to shape yeah. the conversations that we're having going forward. Well, I really hope that's the case, yes. you know, and I think in the conversations we've had so far, as you say, you know, a lot of people have been very clear about what our strengths mm -hmm. are course they've talked about the challenges yes. too um but i don't see how we cannot see opportunities and look to a future that is all about where god wants us to be if we if we're open to that mm. you know and you know i remember sharon when we ran some national conversations online last year in the midst of COVID, and um we had them on zoom and we had time at the end to pray together yes 
you know, and I remember how important that was mm. and to be really open to God's spirit leading us. So, you know, if we are, if we truly mean it, right, we have to mean it. Yes. If we truly mean we're open to where God is leading us, well, you can't not be hopeful, I yes. don't think. And so, Colin, if people have been listening to our, our conversation, if they're interested and excited and challenged by what we're saying and thinking, oh, I wonder if my voice matters in this. You know, I, I, I've been to a Uniting Church agency and had support or I've, I've been a, I'm a member of the Uniting Church. What can they do to, to, I presume they have a voice in this? They certainly do. And what can they do to join in this big conversation that we're having? Well, I think the best way is to go to the Assembly website, uniting.church, Click on Act Two, and um, and there's ways there that you can be involved. One of the ways you can be involved is to read the report, considering a fresh our life together, uh, which is all about what we've heard in the first phase of the project, and then what um, what we think this means. What is the um, conclusions that we've drawn from that? And then you can respond and tell us what you think about those by. Um, using the online survey of course there's um if if that's not about that we can actually just um talk to and uh, and go to ask and um and look there's the doorbell someone wants to talk to us colleen someone wants to talk to us See these oh, real really are to stop there or not. these really are real life conversations <laughs> in the midst of our working day. I know exactly. So people can go to the website. Yes, they can go to the website. They can respond um, to the survey there, read the report. Um, they could even be involved in some um, studies on the basis of union. Let's really start to understand what mm. our identity is from that. Or they can just talk to other people. I reckon. Um, saying, have you heard about Act 2? What is that about? You know, and then yeah. maybe finding out together would be a good way too. But we want to talk to as many people as possible yeah. because there's so many um, amazing people in the Uniting Church who are really open to where, where God is leading us as the Uniting Church and what it will take to be the best expression of ourselves uh, to do God's work in this country. And Colleen, um, earlier on, you talked about hope, being hopeful, and, and that uh, that this is a hope, even though it's it really is confronting the challenges. It's also a hopeful exercise because it's an exercise open to the leading of God. Mm-hmm. So um, we're we're right in the middle of consultation at the moment. Yeah. So there's no firm outcomes. But if you put on that lens of thinking hopefully mm-hmm. about confronting real challenges, what difference do you hope Act Two will make in the life of the Uniting Church? I really hope Act 2 allows us to be honest with ourselves and to say it doesn't matter um, what's been important to me to this stage. It doesn't matter what uh, um, I've appreciated, but we can together be honest about what works and what doesn't we can be open to where God is leading us and we can go We can go there. You know, we can actually be what we should be now, you know. I mean, our history is so fantastic. Uh, and as we talked about earlier, I, I love it. Mm. And that's why I'm a member of the Uniting Church because uh, 
it's such a wonderful um, community to belong to. Mm. Uh, and, you know, my faith has grown by being part of the Uniting Church. Um, but if we're, if we're honest with ourselves and we can be part of imagining what more God has for us, then the past 45 years uh, are this amazing legacy. And, I can, you know, I hope that in the future we see even more. I hope we see some um, freeing up of people to do the work. I hope we see, um, you know, faith communities being able to be agile, working together, um, being resourced for what they needed mm. to do, that some of the burden of compliance is taken away, that we have structures that make sense of that local transformation in which whichever part of the Uniting Church it works. Um, you know, some things I think have to change. Yes. And, um, and we shouldn't be afraid of that change. Mm. We should welcome it and really be open to it uh, and to what it can offer to us. I think that's one of the great things actually from our, our founding story, that we wouldn't be the Uniting Church if those really faithful people in Wesley, Hobart, hadn't been willing to have that earnest conversation and right. say, we can change, God, mm. God can help us change, God mm. is leading us into a big change. Mm. Let's just trust and go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, I, I mean, I, I like you really hope that's where Act Two takes us as well yeah. into that, that hopeful space. Same. Colleen, it's a huge privilege to be in leadership with you in the the assembly, and it's a great joy to um, be involved in Act Two with you and with our Act Two project team, and to really receive um, all the really fantastic uh, feedback and consultation we've already had. So. I want to say thank you to you for sitting down with me today and to having a conversation about Act 2. Um, I'm delighted you were willing to be my first guest on my podcast. It's a great joy to have you. So thank you very much. Thank you, Sharon. It's been great. And I also want to say thank you to the Assembly Communications team who are providing the help and resourcing to make this podcast happen. If you want to keep up to date with the work of the Uniting Church Assembly, go to the website and as well as looking at the Act 2 material, sign up to Uniting Update. You'll never be out of date with Uniting Church News that way. Thank you for listening.